0: Alright, welcome back to the Black Techies, where the world of technology meets black culture. Actually, I think it's the other way around, where black culture meets the world of technology. And we've been out for a while, I know. Uh, but the official excuse would be <laughs> that, uh, I think what, last Sunday was Father's Day? Uh, or the week, the, rather the Sunday before that was Father's Day, and I was on vacation afterwards so a week-long vacation afterwards so that's the official excuse <laughs> so uh with that out without with that out of the way uh, we're going to go ahead and get started again and today obviously we're going to talk about e3 it's kind of late i know but being we're a tech a tech podcast no we couldn't we couldn't let e3 pass us by without at least talking about some of it there were a lot of things to go through a lot of conferences a lot of uh press conferences and a lot of announcements but I think for this one, we'll keep it we'll keep it uh locked to the three main uh conferences Nintendo, Sony, and, and Microsoft. Although I mean if if we may talk about some of the other conferences uh if if they're pretty relevant. But uh did you all well ask before I even start. All right, my name is David. If you all didn't know, if you haven't been listening, I'm joined by Dominique and Herb uh how you all doing? <laughs> yeah, we
1: good.
0: We good. Hello, everybody. Herb, I see you. Uh, hello, yeah. hello. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, "Where's Herb at? All right. Yeah, <laughs> man, Herb's
2: here.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> so, um, just as a, a general uh, opinion, how did you all feel about this year's E3? Oh. Um,
2: Underwhelmed, honestly. Um, some of the stuff that Microsoft had that will, I mean, obviously, you know, seeing, you know, seeing what was kind of on the horizon for Halo. Uh, kind of had my interest. Um, but, you know, for the most part, to me, you know, there wasn't a hype that you would normally, normally see from them. Uh, you know, particularly if there's a new console on the horizon or a really brand new uh technology to be discussed. Um I mean there are I mean there are a lot of there that really, you know, that have a lot of potential. Um but it just didn't you no know, it didn't have the it didn't have the flair that it, that you know that they've had in the past in terms of uh and t- show us. So, um, yeah, it's, I was kind of underwhelmed with that.
1: Yeah, I I agree with the underwhelming part of it. I, one thing I, I noted is that you can tell that both uh, Microsoft and Sony have gotten to the end where they're ready to start putting another console. Like, we're nearing the end of this, this console generation. And so that's a uh, that's that's something we got to start uh, putting our money away. Cause we know the next system is not going to be cheaper than this system. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, it's, uh, it, it nothing just jumped out of me like, Oh, I got it. Well, that's not true. At But that wasn't really part of any of the three conferences. That was the EA thing. But at looks dope. Um, nothing else really like jumped out of the screen. It was like, like I have to play it. I have to have it. That kind of thing.
0: Um, I think, uh, yeah. I think it depends, maybe it depends on the, on, on what you were looking for, um, like, if you were looking for, like, the best games, I would probably contend that Sony probably had the better lineup as far as just, just showing the games. Now, their, their actual, uh, conference itself <laughs> was a little, a little interesting, uh, but, uh, a few of their games definitely got me, uh, had me a little hype, um, that said, absolutely, we can, we can go ahead and start with, uh, with, with Microsoft. Um, so that said, I think Microsoft overall had the better, just better press conference. Um, I mean, they, I, yeah, I think, like you said, they're definitely trying to build up for the next generation. and like, Microsoft knows that they basically lost this console generation as far as sales. Um, although the Xbox One didn't naturally, like, f- it didn't flop, it didn't fail. It just didn't do nearly as well as Sony did, uh, but I think they're they're really trying to prepare for the next generation. And they they announced in their conference that they I think they acquired like five five studios. Oh no, they acquired four and then made one totally new studio. Uh, I forgot the name of it, but and so they're they're trying to get these first party studios to kind of get their own exclusive games up for the for the next generation. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of games that they come out with um well uh, actually i don't know if you all play hellblade senua's sacrifice made by ninja theory uh they're the, they're one of the ones who got who got bought by microsoft so if they can put out a game like like hellblade and that was made on like a stream budget relatively <laughs> and uh and that was a great that's a great game.
2: game yeah i heard about that purchase that's actually a very that's a very good observation
0: so like they made Hell no, like Hellblade is considered uh, one, one of the best AAA, A, well maybe double A, <laughs> uh, titles out there. But and they made it like on a shoestring budget basically. But so if you got the money of Microsoft behind you, like what, you know what can you do? What can you do with that? So I'm pretty I'm pretty interested about that. Uh, the Microsoft conference, Herb. What did you think?
2: <laughs> um, it was underwhelming to me. Um. I mean, and I think that's kind of the recurring theme for you know all the major, you know all the major players, you know, in terms of um, E3 in general, because there's really, you know, we really didn't see anything in the way of new consoles or or any sort of additional technology that was being debuted. Um, you know, there were some services and some games that, you know, for specific fan bases. You know, obviously, caught people's eye. You know, you had Cyberpunk, you know, 2077, which looks to be an absolutely amazing game. Um, you know, obviously, the, the next insta- the next installment of Halo. You know, people kind of already drooling over that. Um, but you know, all in all, um, you know, besides, you know, the fur the further you know um, the further advancement of being seamless with PC gamers and and everything else. Um, and nothing really kind of stood out to me, you know. I mean, it wasn't one of those, you know, wow type of E3 conferences for Microsoft where it's like, "Damn, okay, this is going to change the game." Um, this was pretty pedestrian. Yeah, you know, at least that's what I saw.
0: No, that might now next year. <laughs> I think I think that's when we might get that wow cuz I'm pretty I mean, I'm I think they're going to actually if they don't show it, they're at least going to talk about the next gen consoles uh, next year. I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain about that. And then they'll, fi- they'll probably sh- actually show the console in uh, in E3 2020. But uh, yeah, I, when I was watching, uh, I mean, I like that Microsoft is trying to plan for the future. Obviously, they bought those uh, those studios, um, yeah. and that you know that was clearly a play for the next gen because they've kind of lost the this generation the sony uh not that xbox one actually failed but they just didn't sell as many consoles as uh as sony and so this is clearly a play for the next generation so i'm I'm hoping for the sake of competition that they are uh, that they're able to do quite well and i mean honestly i'm with with the kind of stuff they have going on right now with the xbox game pass uh all, that, all of their first party stuff is coming right to the game pass so all you got to do is pay ten dollars a month and you basically have you know all of their games right there and plus the backwards compatibility so uh, I'm I feel pretty strong about it about Microsoft for next next generation and it, it might actually it might actually tempt me back to being a, uh, an Xbox gamer at least a pri- primarily an, an Xbox gamer uh, I jumped on a on the ps4 train but but we'll we'll, we'll have oh. to we'll have to see go ahead.
2: Well, I think the other thing is, is that um, you know, uh, there are some things that kind of came in the aftermath of of E3 in terms of um, in terms of hardware, particularly if, you know from Microsoft. Uh, that is, um, if true, that's going to raise some eyebrows because I think AMD is going to be a very integral part of um, Microsoft's next generation consoles in terms of hardware. Um, if you're already if you're a PC gamer and you're already familiar with AMD's uh, Ryzen chips and and just the amazing capabilities that they've exhibited to this point, um, that's what the rumor mill is kind of generating right now is that um, some of Microsoft's you know next generation console and hardware are going to be you know AMD powered and more specifically you know proprietary Ryzen powered. Um, if that's the case, um, you know, uh, Microsoft is really step, Microsoft will really step your game up, because though if anybody's played on a Ryzen platform as a PC as a PC gamer um, knows the, that you know that those you know that hardware you know it's like a it's a it's like an epic leap forward for PC gamers in terms of not just in terms of cost effectiveness and in price, but in terms of performance, because, you know, I mean, just, I, I haven't seen that kind of performance out of, you know, not just, you know, CPU hardb- hardware, but, you know, GPU, you know, processing power and the way it utilizes it. So, um, if that's the case, then, um, you know, that's going to be very interesting to see, you know, you know, if and when that information breaks and if it's factual or not. So, so the only thing—the
0: something- only thing I'd have to say about that is so you know we know we know this generation that Sony and Microsoft basically went to the same, uh, the same bin when if, as far as uh as far as their parts. I mean they're both using AM- AMD Jaguar cores, and I think the GPUs. Well, okay, at least for the for the base Xbox One and the base PS4, uh, they they're rel- they're using relatively the same. Uh, same uh, architecture, with the exception of a few tweaks, uh, you know, platform-specific tweaks that make the, the PS4 slightly more powerful than it than the base Xbox One. But and then the Xbox One X, they just totally took it into a, <laughs> they totally customized the the, GP, the GPU. Um, so here's the thing: Do you think that because because Sony and Microsoft tend, they seem to be moving towards a more PC-like Uh, architecture using AMD and it's not, you know, proprietary, I mean, do you think it will be really that much difference in power in the next generation? I mean,
2: well, I don't think, I don't think power is going to be the operative, you know, the, the operative factor there. I think, you know, flexibility and, and being able to do more with the architecture that you have is going to really, be the hallmark of some, you know, of some of these newer platforms when they come out. Um, you know, quite simply, you know, one of the things that Microsoft in general has always kind of taken, you know, taken a beating on is the, you know, particularly for the consoles, you know, is the customization of their consoles in general um, in comparison to in comparison to Sony and PlayStation. Um, I mean, simple stuff like swapping hard drives out you know being able to expand you know space you know putting things on the platform to enhance performance um you could actually do those things you know with a ps3 or a ps4 um as opposed to you know a microsoft to xbox too you can
1: right. hard drives you, can, you know i think at my exactly. my personal opinion is the uh the deal breaker or the 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 primary thing with a console and who won the console war because Xbox won the generation before that, but it had everything to do with first-party exclusives, right? Like uh, the, the Halo franchise and the Gears of War franchise; those things were deal breakers. So I think Microsoft signing those studios was a huge deal, um, and it could be the thing that that tips, you know, tips the scale from Sony back to Microsoft. It might.
2: Well, I think Microsoft, and I think part of that, I think you know, a good part of that is a is spot on actually. Um, Microsoft has already started, you know, their path to melding both the console and the PC, you know, PC worlds in terms of play and and all world play, um, you know, with the games that they have out already, or some of the games uh, that have you know crossover appeals, who you can play. Um, I, I, you know good a good example of that is uh killer instinct you know killer instincts um overall environment on the on microsoft and and those that play online um you know from pc console you know that's one really good example of seamless gameplay between um between console players and and, and pc players um and i think since you know that and other titles have kind of you know Prove that you know that could be a successful platform, you're going to see a lot of that coming more. And I think, uh, also, I think uh, PlayStation is kind of behind the curve on that, you know. Um, and I think I don't know if that's something that's been on that's purpose that's what that was done on purpose, but you know, or they were just so busy on really maximizing what they already have, um, in terms of you know, first-party exclusives and, and things that they're, that's their bread and butter. But um, PlayStation's kind of seen that also, and, they're, and I think they're going to be playing catch-up with it, um, you know, for a minute. You know, because I, I think uh, what we'll probably see in the next generation of Microsoft consoles is even more integration, even more seamless gameplay for platforms, um, between platforms. You know and i think um that's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out
0: yeah the, so let me so as you i know you're primarily a pc gamer right
2: uh i'm equal opportunity man
0: oh i play both oh okay okay <laughs> i didn't know if you were like mainly on the pc or if you had a console as well yeah
2: playstation 4 and uh pc
0: and oh you oh, oh, so I mean, so so you thing, like me then that's what I, that's what i have <laughs> that's the setup i have Right
2: Yeah and the funny thing is is that you know um you know, through PC gaming i've been able to play things that you know i haven't really been sold on buying another console for so it's just like all right you know you know killer instinct 2 come out and justice come out you know and the, and there's seamless gameplay between um you know between the two between the two worlds, you know, I don't, you know, I can, you know, keep the, the homemade platform that I got and play those other people. So <laughs> that's a, you know, I think, again, that's a real draw. That's something that's going to be, um, that's something that's going to be very important going forward, particularly for, you know, certain demographics that, you know, may not have the the capital to just buy, the, buy a console whenever they want. Or, you know, they have a machine that, you know, they're, they're trying to budget and keep and just kind of, you know, hold on to but they want to play the, the newest titles and they want to play against, you know, other people. So, um, it's, um, it's going to be very interesting, again, to see just how that evolves, you know, through new consoles and, and you know, and further integration with the PC gaming community. You know, I think um, you got plenty of games that have the potential for that already. You got, um, you know, particularly for first person shooters like you know, unknown Battlegrounds. Um, there's going to be another one, uh, that's based on that model called Maverick Maverick's Proving Grounds. That's yeah, PC there's plus. like
1: 75 Battleground type games out and coming out over the next like they, you know where it's a copycat industry and so they figured out that PUBG works and Fortnite's the biggest game in the, on the planet right now. Exactly. And, uh, so, but you're like you said, cross-platform is a big deal with that. Uh people are going to be able to see uh and Sony like Sony could jump in this cross-platform game, but I think they believe that their ticket to victory is to have Sony stay Sony and they they think they're, you know, the fanboys are going to stay with Sony no matter what whereas microsoft's like all right we'll let switch in we'll let pc in we'll let everybody in and, and then sony's just gonna be left holding the bag i think but i mean i'm biased because i'm i've always been an xbox guy well i mean that actually
0: that's actually <laughs> that's actually a good segue into the sony uh the sony part of e 3 so <laughs> like like you said there there's a uh a distinct philosophy difference between at least right now anyway <laughs> between microsoft and Sony and even Nintendo, like, uh, so on, on the on the whole crossplay issue, like Nintendo and Xbox came out with a, I guess, a joint <laughs> commercial showing how you can play Minecraft with uh, the Switch, with, with Switch owners and Xbox One owners can play Minecraft together. So they had a whole uh, commercial showing that I was kind of funny. Uh, I mean, you know, clearly it was a whole marketing thing, uh, and Sony Sony understands that. Because they're the market lead, the market leader in consoles, they're like you said, they're trying to keep Sony Sony. So like if you have a PS4, like their whole thing is like, all right, 80 million people have already bought a PS4. And so what's the point of playing with Microsoft and, and Nintendo if you got all these other people you can play with <laughs> uh, like you know the, the player base for PS4 is more than the switch and the uh, Xbox combined. So it's like I guess Sony's position is like, I mean yeah you can play a mobile and you can play a pc but you don't really need to play with xbox and and nintendo because we got all these people so but so a lot of people are thinking this is going to backfire in the end um so i don't know <laughs> i mean do you so based on the games that they showed at e3 i mean do you think that the games that sony had which but which to be fair is what i got a ps4 for like the horizon the the last of us 2 like oh that's 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 why i got a ps4 so oh, but yeah. but is that going to be an, a good enough reason to keep you know to stay on the sony platform in the next generation or is that cross-platform thing gonna be a real uh re- reason to to skip sony
1: yeah so <laughs> i think that uh i think Sony's the the place to go for one player experiences and that is as we stand today we don't know what the purchase of those five studios is going to do and how it's going to change that narrative, but right now I think that, like I, I want to buy a PlayStation. I'm gonna buy a PlayStation just because I gotta play this God of War, I gotta play Horizon Zero Dawn. Like there are games that have come out over the last four years that I didn't really get a chance to play because I don't have a PlayStation that I still want to play, but none of them are multiplayer games. I don't feel like. Uh, this is, you know, as the as internet becomes more uh, prevalent, as games become more less single player campaign, more royale style, deathmatch style, you know, co-op style. As that becomes the trend in games, then single player campaigns lose their value, and therefore the system that make that stakes their uh, livelihood on being the best single player campaign system will then lose value as well. But again, I'm biased, so I don't know what do you guys think.
2: Well, I think, honestly, um, that's a very good point um, in regards to, you know, what could potentially happen, but I think there's some other factors there as well. Um, you know, not just the regular gaming community, but, you know, the professional gaming community. You know, people that, that do this for a living and and make, mo- make a lot of money doing it. Um, I think one thing that's going to... What we're going to see is that as we see, you know, um, gaming in particular become, you know, even more of a, you know, of a mainstream platform spectator, you know, activity. You know, we're going to see how, you know, multiplayer games, deathmatch type games, sports games in particular um, with Madden Franchise. FIFA globally, um, that's starting to become a real big thing in terms of competitive gaming. Um, obviously, fighting games like, you know, Injustice or Street Fighter or any number of, of, um, of titles. Um, uh, the, the push is going to be in terms of cross-platform capability, you know, it's going to expand that, you know, that talent base for, you know, these companies and sponsors to, you know, to recruit talent. And I think that's also a big, a very big deal. Um, and, and I mean, it's 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 a long way from just having a, a handful of folks that has a sponsor. That because they, you know, they play League of Legends. You know, um, you've got you know hundreds of games now that are, you know, globally recognized as competitive mediums for players to make money, and for you know for companies to advertise and to push their products and to, you know, do the whole nine. You know, you got, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids making six figures every year, you know, you know, playing team Call of Duty. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's grown so much, and that's also going to have an impact on how, you know, how the companies approach platform gaming because there's an entirely new audience of people that are not just not just interested in personal experiences but interested in terms of that interactivity as a competitive sport
1: also I think uh, I think a, a key feature will be whoever the the influencers your ninjas and your PewDiePie's and your such and such uh they're gonna be the ones that are gonna you know if they tend to play the new Xbox or if Xbox makes it easier if Xbox integrates twitch into its console more you know more easily uh, then I think that you'll you'll find that is a contributing factor to who wins this next and you know there's no like you said uh, Dave nobody uh, the the win is not like it's not like Microsoft lost it's just that Sony had so, Sony sold more consoles but I don't know that um, you know you know Microsoft like Microsoft's on in, in, on the verge of going bankrupt over it you know what I mean like they they did all right
0: Right, I don't... I mean, and the thing that I wish people realize, so, like, we don't have to have, like, a winner, necessarily. Like, I, I, I don't want it... As, as much as I like the exclusives on the PlayStation, I don't want Xbox to fail. Like, I don't want Sony to be, like, the sole... Have a sole monopoly <laughs> on console gaming. Like, I want there to be a healthy competition between all three of the major platform holders. So, uh, for, for me, I... I'm hoping that, like honestly, I'm one of those people. I like I buy all of them. Like the last generation, I had a three hundred and sixty, uh, a PS three. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely. I didn't, I didn't have a Wii, but um, I like I had the best of both worlds. And so what I did was I mainly I made the Xbox my primary console, and then I just played all the PS three exclusives on the PS three. And then that way. I didn't have to worry about missing out on anything, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I I, mean, I know everyone doesn't have that that luxury, but uh, I barely did honestly, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but, uh, and I kind of paid for it, but it was great while it lasted, um, uh, but I mean, I think that what what Herb said earlier about that merging of the PC and and console uh, with what Microsoft was trying to do, um, uh, some people think that's a bad thing, like. They like you know they're like well you know if they put everything on the PC then what's the point of having an Xbox? That's not the point. The point is that if you <laughs> if you like playing on PC, you you know that you have that full backing by Microsoft. But if you're one of those people who don't you don't want to build a, a gaming PC or you just prefer to play on a couch on a TV, then you can just buy an Xbox and you still get the same experience. So I guess that's I'm I'm in full support of that. And so I'm I'm glad that Microsoft is trying to leverage their uh there uh the the fact that pc gaming is basically done on windows like there's no such thing as mac mac gaming uh-huh i don't care what apple was trying tries to tell you but <laughs> <laughs> um so with that said on the on the sony part did you um uh actually with dominique for you specifically since you're well oh, actually no both of you both people have, have um or rather herb has a ps4 um uh, were there any games, or for Dominique, were there any games on the PS4 conference, or the Sony conference that made you, you know, that kind of perked your ears up? And, you know, or are you, are you still, are you, would you would you, would you be interested so nothing- in getting a PS4 for those games coming out?
1: Well, I'm already interested in getting one. It's just like kind of justifying the expense because I'm, I, don't even, I don't even play my Xbox as much. I almost only play League of Legends. Uh, so, uh, it's it, there's nothing that they put out that I was like, oh, that's a game that'll make me go spend five hundred dollars right now. Like, no, not really. Um, but not, that's not to say that there were no bad games. Um, I, I can't remember the name of it. There's a, a Naughty Dog. I mean, the the spirals are coming back. There's so many like good Kingdom Hearts three. Absolutely, can't wait. I'm looking forward to games, but there's nothing that jumped out at me as like you know you gotta have it. But that's just that that is also a two for Microsoft, and I'm a Microsoft fanboy.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, uh, like I said, I, you know, neither Microsoft or Sony really blew me away in terms of you know, the the overall content of what they were bringing to E3 this year. Um, You know, uh, exclusive titles, you know, I'm interested in seeing FIFA 2019, um, you know, because I'm a big, huge FIFA fan. And, um, you know, I'm just really interested in seeing, you know, what else they can do with player capture technology, you know, in terms of, you know, imitating gameplays, you know, tactics, the whole nine. But, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a FIFA head, so uh, I am, you know, I have a vested interest in seeing, you know, the further development of that game. But, um, you know, like I said, it, you know, in, quite, in all honesty, I, I think the titles that I saw that caught my eye more uh, came from the Microsoft side of the fence this year. Um, like I said, Cyberpunk, you know, 2077 it looks like an absolutely awesome game. It really does. It looks, you know, it's got a lot of depth to it. You know, um, The Last of Us, you know, The Last of Us Part Two, looks like that caliber of game also. But I didn't see anything else uh, from Sony that, you know, again, really caught my eye. And I, you know, I say that as a, as a diehard Sony fan you know, and, you know, somebody that's, that's loved their platform for a long time. But, um, that's not to say that, you know, we won't be seeing anything else, you know, even after E3, um, you know, being released, because, you know, Sony has kind of done that, you know, where, you know, they've kind of played it close to the vest during E3, and then sometime during the middle of 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 the fiscal year, they're, you know, they're dropping something that people really didn't expect dropped so um it's gonna be interesting to see whether or not that plays out uh but yeah i mean from from an overall perspective i didn't you know i was kind of (laughs) meh about the whole thing so i will um, say
0: like the the games the games that probably interest me the most um like all right so the last of us part two (laughs) <laughs> the 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 thing I, I love about naughty dog is like they they always up the ante when it comes to animation and so like when i was watching it and you saw like the different ways that ellie could uh like one the way the ai was because some of that look like it, some of it looked like it was a like a cut scene but it wasn't like it was them in real time uh like uh, uh, shooting, and I think at one point Ellie was running, and she picked up a bottle, and then smashed it against one of the one of the one of the enemy's face, or something like that. I mean, it was done so seamlessly, but it looked like a cutscene. <laughs> but uh, and the, just the way uh, they're able to kind of blend the cinematic with the actual gameplay, and it, I don't know, I'm I look really I look, I look forward to it because I really enjoyed the first one. Um, so that. Spider-man I, I so I said I said I said I wasn't gonna pre-order any game ever again But spider-man is making me make me doubt that because like from what I've seen from the from the gameplay that game from, from What I've heard from everyone who's been able to play it like spider-man looks free. It looks awesome So I'm I may I may pre-order that game. I don't know. I'm st- I, I don't know. We'll see Um
1: I don't really understand pre-ordering, to be honest. I used to do it just I was like so into yeah. the hype, and like I'll pre-order if it comes with something that's like actually worth me going and going and putting ten bucks on a game that I usually end up not buying. I usually end up going to Game and Fort GameStop or whatever. Like, uh, how much money do I got on pre-orders I didn't pick up? They're like mm, seventy-five bucks. I'm like, oh, yeah. I basically bought a whole other game with games I didn't buy. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. So, well. Well, uh before we go any further, I just want to get this little get this little tangent out. I want to give a shout out to my brother Jason, uh, you know, for being for for being generous with PlayStation 4 in terms of testing.
0: <laughs> I
2: appreciate it. You know, yeah, um you're still going to get your behind beat in Dragon Ball Fighters again when we play again.
0: Uh, so, I hope he's listening.
2: But, <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, I mean, it's um, uh, you know, for me there there are certain titles that, you know, on the PlayStation that I'm always looking forward to, you know, uh, whether that's FIFA, you know, whether that's, um, you know, whether th- whether that's, you know, any Call of Duty iteration that isn't, you know, Infinite Warfare, because that absolutely sucked and it was trash. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm looking forward to Black Ops 3, you know, I'm looking forward to... Um, you know there's a i mean there are titles that Sony has you know in terms of my personal interest uh, that I'm always looking forward to but um, you know at the same time I think we won't see you know that epically forward until we see the you know where these next generation platforms are going hardware wise because what's going to happen is that You know, once we see what the specs are and what, you know, what these, you know, new consoles are capable of doing, you know, that's when our that's when developers gonna be able to have a general idea of, okay, yeah, I can make this puppy hum the way I want it. You know, so um, and that's honestly what, you know, first party developers are waiting on too, because they're kinda you know, they're kinda tied, you know, they're kinda tethered to the architecture that's that's on the platforms now. So you can't really develop for games, code for games for capabilities that you don't necessarily have yet. Right. Um, you know that's that's the main difference between the console world and and PC gaming because you know the architecture is is so much more flexible in terms of adaptation and and being able to be augmented. So that gives developers, um, you know quite a bit of leeway in terms of planning games, in terms of their performance, in terms of, you know, just the types of audiences that they can reach out to. Um, Star Citizen is a perfect example. If you're, you know, if you've got, you know, a bucket of a game or a bucket of a platform or computer to play it on, um, then odds are Star Citizen is not going to be your cup of tea and you're not going to get any enjoyment out of it. If you know you can augment your system and improve it, and improve it in any sort of way, you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of it, because it's that type of game. It's that expansive, and it's that reliant on the type of architecture that you're running. So, um, you know, it's again, you know, I think consoles are going toward that direction, and it's going to be very interesting to see how developers adapt. You know, so. Um, you know, at least that's the way I see it.
0: You know, it's funny uh, that you say that because um, I think Microsoft's strategy... So if, if you all uh, noticed during their conference, uh, uh, Phil, what is it, uh, Phil Spencer, the, the head of Xbox, he was like, you know, our team is hard at work at the next generation of con- Xbox consoles, like with an S. So which, uh, which made a lot of people think that Microsoft was going to release like a family of Xboxes, maybe in different... Uh, performance tiers, kind of like the PC, where like you know, if you if you have the money, you can pay for a more powerful uh, uh, PC, or you know, if you want, if you're more budget conscious, you can get a you know a lesser uh, a lesser spec console. So I think maybe they're gonna try to play with that. Uh, I will say, I mean, I get that PC gaming kind of offers that flexibility, but at the same time, I think I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, I haven't been a PC gamer for a super long time, but from what I've seen, uh, and experienced, it's the port the PC ports can often be a little subpar compared to the console versions. Uh-huh. because you know, with the consoles you have like that one that one uh spec that you have to conform to so you don't have to worry about whether or not someone has an AMD or an Intel C P U or an NVIDIA or an AMD GPU or whatever. So like there's no, you don't have to worry about that, that variation. You can code to a specific platform and not have to worry about the different variations. It's kind of like the difference between uh, iPhones and Android, where with Android you have all these different OEMs to uh, to account for. With iPhone, it's like that one that one skew, but and it's easier to optimize your games for the iPhone versus Android. But I mean that's, I don't know. I, I wonder if I wonder if Microsoft is trying to capitalize on that. Point where like they're trying to have the flexibility of a PC, but have the optimization of a console at, at the same time.
2: Well, I think I think both I think both Sony and you know Sony and Microsoft are shooting for that. You know, I think you know. How is Sony
1: shooting for that?
2: Well, and, and when I say that, I'm saying that in terms of being able to provide a level of customization for their user base. Um, not necessarily in terms of um, you know some of the exact things, some of the more granular things we've been talking about. Like for example, like I was saying earlier, you know, PlayStation, you know, starting with PlayStation Two actually, because there was some, you know, there you were able to kind of manipulate the the operating systems and and hardware on those platforms. Um, you know, PlayStation Two, Three, and Four have you know kind of set the precedent for giving. A little bit of flexibility for users, uh, not users, but for customers and consumers, uh, to be able to take their platform and customize it, you know, to a point where they can, you know, customize their gameplay experience or improve, improve, you know, how they play, or rather their their performance in terms of playing for the for the system. Um, Microsoft well, yeah, Microsoft went away from that from the first generation of the Xbox. Like you, you mentioned before, like 360, you know, and some of the early, earlier iterations of the Xbox One, um, you know, that was a really big complaint in the Microsoft community because it's like, man, look, I'm looking at my boy, you know, with the PlayStation 4, he can slap a hard drive in his, you know, in the system, you know, he can improve the, you know, the, the amount of storage he can put in there. He can even put an SSD in his, in his drive and flash the operating system and be good to go and have improved performance, but you can't, you couldn't do that on a 360 or some of the earlier versions of the of the, of the Xbox One. Um, and that's one of the main reasons why, you know, the, the Scorpio is is kind of as popular as it is now, not necessarily because of, you know, the fact that they can actually manipulate the Scorpio, but it provides a level of, of flexibility and power for users that, you know, they can't really customize on their own.
1: Yeah, I so. think you, your, your scenario you're describing is more a power user. And I think that because mo- I'm going to tell you why most of my boys who mm-hmm. already had Xbox Ones or Xbox One S's went and dropped $500 to get the, to get the One X. And mm-hmm. it's because uh, PUBG loaded faster.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt that, man. I really don't. <laughs> I think that. I think. I think. I think both realities are true, depending on who the user is. And I think one of the things that PlayStation has, you know, really tried to do is to address, you know, the power user and the casual gamer. And I think, um, you know, in some instances. In some respects, I think Microsoft, you know, kind of missed that boat in terms of, you know, the 360. And they started kind of getting back hip to it, you know, with the release of the, of the Xbox One and later iterations of it. So, um, yeah, I agree with you, man. I, you know, I think, I think we're both right in this respect. So I think, you know. Yeah, I wasn't I mean, saying you're
1: wrong. I'm saying that. I think that most people don't. Fall. Like, it's kind of like how Android is better than iPhone. It really is but not really, you know what I mean? Because most people aren't yeah. going to do any of that, any of the things that make Android better, most people aren't going to do that with their phone. You know what I mean? So it's uh, as far as what, may, the reason that, that, that Sony won this generation is not because they have superior hardware, it's because they had the Call of Duty maps before everybody else, and, you know, it's the the system that that everything was on, you know what I mean? And so that's, that's the reality is, I, I believe, is that most most consoles like Halo 1 Halo 1 Halo is the reason we have an Xbox too. You know, just straight up. You know, the 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 number of the sheer number of people who bought an Xbox that were super duper Sony fans, but because Sony didn't have anything like Halo. Sony Sony's answer to Halo is that trash uh, Call of Duty with aliens game. You know what I mean? I can't uh, the, uh, resistance
0: resistance, resistance,
1: resistance. It was trash but it was just uh, uh, it was Call of Duty, and instead of like Germans, it was aliens, and it was so obvious. But you know, you had a quality. I guess it's just a quality thing, right? And so I think that in this, the, the reason that Sony won this generation, because they had the 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 Last of Us, the Drake's Uncharted, the no the Crackdown. There was no Crackdown. There was no uh, Halo. There was no Gears of War. All of the we, like, so Microsoft tried to rest on their on their laurels a little bit too much, and I think they thought. That nobody, you know, once you're on, I think, you know, this is only uh, Xbox's third generation, whereas it's Sony's uh, fourth, and so I think that extra generation gave them the the right data to move their their company in the right way, so that they understood the way they needed to move. They understood it doesn't matter who has the most powerful platform because Nintendo sold more than everybody, and Nintendo is uh, absolutely has never been the the, the top as far as Uh, Performance—they've never been a very uh, uh, user-friendly system as far as optimization and and you know that kind of stuff. So it's just—it's simply what who has the best games. And this time it was uh, it was
0: Although I will I will uh, interject a little with the uh, I think one reason that Microsoft kind of lost it was at the very beginning when they announced it in in 2013. Um, when they, you know, with the whole always connected system and uh, and the, their focus on all the non-gaming stuff that the Xbox One could do, which I, I don't know. To be fair, I liked all the non-gaming stuff. I liked the fact Me that too. I could cut that I could hook up my uh, my cable box into the into the Xbox and control everything through the Connect. That was great. I don't care if anybody said that was great. Uh, but uh, but the way they marketed it, they didn't focus on what they should have done was at least at E3 anyway, focus on the games and focus on what the Xbox could do as far as gaming and then say, you know, then as, a, as an added bonus, now you can control your TV through your Xbox. But right, right, because right. of their messaging, because Microsoft sucks at marketing, they don't, they, uh, <laughs> they, they, and then... The way they did, uh, so they were trying to go the whole uh, all digital route with their games, and like they actually had a really good system, honestly, with the whole uh, you could you could act, so you could sell you could rent your your digital games out to like up to five friends. You could actually sell your digital games of up to fifty percent of the original price. They had a, they had a whole system that you could do with digital games that you can that kind of mirrored what you can do with physical with, with the physical copies, but. The way, and, but one, you know, people don't like DRM and all that, and so, uh, and then when the when the collective gamer internet blew up, it gave them a bad reputation, and so then when Sony came, when they did, you know, when they did their press conference, they had that infamous video where the guy just gave the <laughs> he gave the game to the other guy. He was like, "This is how you share games on PS4," and he gave him the <laughs> the copy of the game, and that was it. That was- and then and then the PS4 was cheaper. And so that that those two things alone, that's what sealed it. I think that's 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 where uh Sony was like, "All right, we got it." And then here's the funny thing. so that was when Sony was all consumer friendly, right? That was when Sony was like, "We understand you, we hear you, we're all for the gamers and all that now now that they're on top, <laughs> they don't want to do crossplay and be on <laughs> because they're on top.
2: Well that's well,
1: because and when it all boils down to it corporations are only as consumer friendly as they have to be to sell their product once you, yeah, once you get a lock you know once you get a lock on a product you don't want to let that lock go and you do whatever you can to, that's the the whole pe- reason people are scared of net neutrality and, and all and, and allowing all these companies to merge with each other is because uh competition is the only thing that keeps these companies honest
2: exactly and I think you know there's no no better example than the gaming industry as it stands right now, because it's you know, outside of the PC gaming community, which is, you know, pretty much, um, pretty much the frontier, you know, to our you know, to our planet Earth, so to speak, in terms of gamers, um, you know, you've got three, you've got three platforms, and and that's pretty much it in terms of, in terms of console gaming, and you know. Uh, you know the world's around it. So, you know, competition, you know, besides those three conglomerates, you know, are, you know, is kind of non-existent. And that's something that, you know, kind of manifests itself every, you know, every every so often when we have these E3 events or we have these releases and and, you know, releases of new platforms and consoles. You know, this year's a perfect example of it where we, we just want to, I mean, everyone's just like, a, meh, okay, uh, what else is new? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, when you're on top, just like Dominic said, um, you don't have incentive to innovate, and you don't have the incentive to provide new experiences for the customer. The only thing that pushes that innovation is competition, and the fact that you may lose to your competitor and that's where the customer base comes in at when you see you know I mean PC companies uh, well not companies but you know PC gaming is a little different in the sense that that you know that wilderness is vast so you don't there's not any one platform or game or company or software entity that's going to you know dominate the field you know so to speak in the you know independent game, independent developers and companies rule there so there's a lot of there's a lot of diversity you know little guy can can put a game out on steam or you know solo you know on a shoestring budget and you know have a game in a year if it's quality game you know you know uh, it's funny
0: uh, speaking of speaking of the indie or the the, the smaller guys um, we see a lot of, and this actually kind of segues into the Nintendo. I kind of want to talk about them just for a little bit before we before we close. Um, but Nintendo has actually been a pretty good uh, purveyor of all these small indie games. Um, and like like just like, actually even just yesterday, um, I was looking through the N- Nintendo eShop, and it's just like tons and tons of of indie games on there. Um, and of course, you know uh, they're they're porting a lot of stuff to the Switch. Um, they just ported Wolfenstein Two to the Switch, and which is pretty incredible, um, like they did Doom. So, right. Um, I <clears throat> I wonder if Nintendo is going to end up being that platform of choice when it comes to the smaller guys.
2: Um, I think there's a really good chance that it will. Um, especially. Um, in lieu of, disappear- of the disappearance of, um, you know, some of the other indie platforms like the Oya and, and some of the other platforms that offered exclusive, you know, environments for indie gamers to kind of apply their wares, uh, the Oya really could have been something if they had actually invested something in, in the hardware, um, you know, for, for the hardware to actually be, you know, legitimate hardware as opposed to just, you know, an Android Android platform tossed onto a you know tossed into a cube. And, you know, it not really you know or not Android but a Linux platform tossed tossed into a cube and it not really having the power to really sustain anything. Um it's um you know, I think that's what it's gonna take, you know, in order to kind of break this, you know, this this three way deadlock that we got. You know, the cycle that we got that we repeat every year, and it's going to take, you know, somebody, you know, some independent entities pulling their money and pulling their resources to develop a brand new console that's going to, you know, that's going to at least offer something. Now, I don't know how feasible that is or how successful that would eventually be because, you know, um, you know the three competitors we're talking about are you know, are light years ahead of anything else even thought of right now. So, um, but, you know, in the long run, that's what it's going to take. Or it's going to take, you know, somebody from the PC community or from the PC side of the fence to come into the consoles and design a console that more accurately merges the two worlds. Because I think both PlayStation, you know, both PlayStation and, um, and uh, Microsoft or Sony and Microsoft are trying to do that, but they're trying to do that on their own terms, you know, without losing their foothold on what brought them to the table, which is console gaming. So, um, you know, again, it's you know, it's one of those things that's going to be, it's going to play out one way or the other, and you know, we're going to, as consumers, we're going to be on the front lines of how it plays out.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you uh did you did you get a chance to watch Nintendo's conference? Or their tree what what do they call it? The Treehouse Direct or whatever. No, <laughs> the, or...
2: I got a I got a chance to watch bits and pieces of it. Um you know, and i and I think, you know, once my downtime returns for fourth of July I'll be watching it again in earnest to to catch some of the things that I missed. Um but again, you know, even if, you know, for, you know, for folks that are diehard Nintendo fans, um, they're at a point right now where they put something out and the casual, you know, the casual consumer is like, eh, it's Nintendo. So, you know, I mean, and that's unfortunate because, you know, the Switch is, a, is an incredible platform, you know. Um, and it's, it's proof that Nintendo's going in the right direction in terms of trying to draw new audiences and to try to forge their own path in terms of gameplay. But I think the damage that they've kind of incurred through the last two or three generations of console wars is it's going to take a long time for them to undo and to get, to get the casual gamer or to get the person that's just being interested in gaming that isn't Okay, well, you know, this you know the Nintendo's designed for little kids type of stigma, because you know, unfortunately, that stigma's still there, you know, and it's something that call me a
1: little kid because
2: Breath of the Wild
1: number one is one of the best games of all time. Oh, I hear is. you. But oh, I hear, I hear you, man. Breath of the Trust Wild, me. we're mostly just playing Mario and all the versions of Mario that you get but they I think Nintendo's the only company that can do it but they can do it. I honestly I they could their console will sell off just Mario Kart, whatever random Zelda we get for this generation, whatever uh, Smash Brothers we get for this generation, but they'll be prominently involved in esports because of Smash Brothers and
2: uh well, you know, that's
0: that's well, all they I talked that's, about that's, at their conference. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's their golden goose right now. And I think esports If eSports wasn't as big as it it is now, um, Nintendo would be in in a lot of trouble, to be quite honest with you, in comparison to the other platforms, because, you know, uh, to their credit, Nintendo was really the first to kind of get in on it and say, hey, look, this is a frontier that we can embrace, you know, before anybody else, and we can have unique products, you know, we can have unique games and products that, that can appeal to people globally. So that, you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that, but I also think that, you know, it was very fortuitous for eSports to have the growth that, that it's had, you know, uh, for Nintendo, because if it didn't have the boom that it did when it did, you know, we'd be revisiting, you know, the, the Nintendo conversation of two or three, four years ago. Whereas, okay, uh, where is Nintendo going to go from here? Um, what are they going to do? Who are they going to, you know, who are they going to market to? You know, um, if anything, esports has given them a, you know, a second wind and kind of a clean slate to, to kind of rewrite some wrongs. So, um, you know, I agree with you, you know, to an extent, but I think they still have a lot of that seem to general audiences. Not to us, you know, that grew up on Nintendo and loved Mario Kart and, you know, wished that they could drive Mario Kart to work every day. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, you know, those, are you know, that that demographic of audience is always going to be there for Nintendo. Always.
0: Because, I, I, you know... I, I think that uh, that Nintendo's. So I was watching a, uh, a, a what well, I guess a documentary. Well, not a not a documentary, like a video essay on YouTube. Uh, a guy named Colin Mar- Moriarty. He uh he used to be the ed- the senior editor at IGN for uh, PlayStation. So he uh he was doing like a he was like reviewing each of the each of the different press conferences, and he was like for Nintendo, uh, or rather no actually no this, this, so before E three he was like he did one for each console manufacturing he was like what you know what does each one have to do in order to have a successful e3 and he said for nintendo it's making sure that they kind of like stay the course and uh they have to because so like last year the main reason why the switch sold so well it was that was was zelda breath of the wild like dominique said mario and uh and mario um and and and, um, um splatoon so you have you had three heavy hitting games that came out last year that launched or, or or at least came out in the same year as the launch and so that like that was the reason to buy a switch and now you have all these ports coming in uh that kind of it's almost as if people are trying to trying to uh <laughs> like a competition like what games can we can we port to the switch now but um uh but like i was kind of disappointed in a way because they only really show Smash Brothers and I was really hoping for like Metroid I was really hoping for Metroid, honestly. Like I'm a i am I love Metroid. Um uh, But like I feel like you think
1: Metroid work in uh in twenty
0: eighteen? Yeah, say it again?
1: I so said you think Metroid works in twenty eighteen? I don't know. with well, the, the 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 Wii Metroids weren't great. Not like they used to be not like not it it didn't do it for me. I just don't know how they could do Metroid
0: Still, I mean, I don't know. Well, I guess I don't. I mean, it's, it's as good as Smash Brothers is, I just don't know if that's going to be the reason why. Well, I don't know, it might be. I mean, it might be the reason why people buy a Switch next year, but uh, I don't know. I guess I kind of hope that they were had a little more in the presentation, but I don't know. I'm I mean, maybe, I mean, personally, I'm I'm waiting on Metroid, but uh, I mean, they announced it last year, <laughs> but I, I was hoping for a little bit more uh, this year, but um i mean i don't know i mean i don't nintendo is in a a good position i mean like like herb said i mean smash is in the is in the top tier as far as esports and i I, i'm thinking that esports might be our topic for next week uh actually we we, we haven't we haven't really talked about it so i think we should dedicate a whole episode to esports because there's a lot to talk about with that uh including trying to dispel any myths about esports but um,
2: and and in particular, trying to get HBCUs on the train for esports since other colleges are doing so, and uh, HBCUs for whatever reason are kind of turning a blind eye to what's going on around them. But I think there continue. was
0: I think there was a school was it Yale? Somebody actually has a class for esports. Like you can actually learn how to like play legal ed. Yeah, I forgot what it was. It, it was well, <laughs> it was there? like a, it was like a whole class just about esports.
2: Yeah, there, are at, least, there are, are at least twenty to twenty-five schools right now that not only have classes for esports, but have esports athletic programs.
0: Yeah, that yeah, that's 20, what it was. It was the yeah, it was the athletic program. That's what it was.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not just it's not just the Ivys either. You know, you got uh, you got a couple in this region. Um, although I don't have the sheets in front of me, because I think we talked about it on one of our very first. Actually one of our very first um, one of our very first uh, podcasts as the Black Techies. Yeah. We talked about Yeah, we did and we talked about, you know, its beginnings and and how you know how we could kinda get in on the on the action as you know, oh. as it's and black folks. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a good time to revisit it, you know. oh
0: yeah yeah we definitely got a we definitely got a lot to unpack with that so uh for those listening stay tuned for next week and we're definitely going to dive into uh esports but i think uh i think it's almost time to wrap up but before we go um i know uh, dominique wanted to i know he liked to you he wanted to kind of do a maybe a black techie of the week or something like that uh so i don't (laughs) <laughs> They're not techies, but I kind of wanted to shout them out because uh, I thought it was pretty cool. So um, I saw I actually saw this uh, on for some reason. My wife had on the, night, the nightly news with Lester Holt, <laughs> so he it uh, was one of one of the stories on there. So basically, there are these two black girls uh, named Jordan Miller and Cameron Cowan, a Cohen, and basically uh, they they were in this. Uh, they basically composed uh, two. Uh, they composed two works of two uh, um, uh, works of music, and the New York Philharmonic Orchestra actually performed it, uh, like in the park or whatever, in the in I guess Central Park. Um, and so it's called, uh Let's see, here it is. Uh, it's part of the the Philharmonic's very young composers initiative. So these two these two black girls, uh, they were ten years old. When they composed it, and so uh, uh, one of them, uh, let's see, Miss Cohen, uh, she made a song called "Harlem Shake," which was quote an exercise in layering, but with saxophone improvisations that nodded to the neighborhood's past. And then uh, Miss Miller's her her song was called "Boogie, da- Boogie Down Uptown," uh, and basically it kind of conjures like the subway system and. Going into the streets of Harlem for the first time and stuff like that. So, I got I got shout out. I got I to shout those two girls out for one being ten year old uh, composing prodigies. Uh, <laughs> and so and for for and as a as a bandhead, you know, it, it's kind of a it holds a special place in my heart. <laughs> and so, uh, and I, I got to shout out Jordan Miller and Cameron Cohen for their uh, for being pint sized composers. So, for shout, sure. out,
1: to
0: shout out to those queens. Yeah. So, uh, so actually, for those who are listening, if you know, uh, if you want to shout out any uh, Black techies in particular, although I guess maybe <laughs> I maybe kind of I kind of set the standard. Maybe it doesn't have to be techies, but you know, preferably. Uh, if you know any 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 people we uh, we should shout out, feel free to, to let us know on our Facebook page, uh, Facebook.com/slash/The Black techies. Uh, if you want to see any of our other content. Make sure you check it out, check us out on our website, blacktechies. or the um,
2: Well, I gotta well, uh, just as a as a caveat to that, um, I have a I have a, a black techie, HBCU black techie shout out that I want to make right now Oh yeah, we, yeah,
0: go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Um, FAMU Fam graduate, Tracy Jackson, who is a who is a sister that is in in the tech and web development community, has you know, turned into an a pretty awesome author of books. and I just wanted to to give her a quick shout out and and uh, a quick recon, you know recognition of the most recent book that she's written, uh, the Summer of chances. and um if you do, I know she's on Amazon and a number of other platforms now, go check her out and she's you know she's pretty much what the hbcu's experience experience is all about, and she's a strong sister to boot. so uh you know also she's a bandhead even though she marched for the 100 man she marched for the 100 yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean i mean person. i know i mean we, we we're not all
0: perfect her we're not all perfect but you know <laughs> no one's perfect but but no shout out shout out, shout out. I, I know tiffany as well so uh, shout shout out to her
1: yeah i don't know her but uh shout out to that queen <laughs>
0: love to
1: hear about uh, uh our, our women our people doing great things.
2: Yeah, and uh, yeah, also uh, I, I know we're like I said we're about to close, so you know this is the last impromptu shout out. Um, I just wanted to give a, a quick um, heartfelt shout out to all the band heads that support the Black Techies. you um, all, all are um, since uh, Honda, the Honda Battle of the Bands. And uh, the Charlotte Battle of the Bands have kind of turned to trash this year since they're not having it. <laughs> um, you know, we're we're kind of disappointed. I just want to uh, let y'all know that um, we're going to have you know, we're we're going to be mentioning, you know, HBCU culture at every turn on this podcast. Whether it's margin Bands, whether it's classics. Um, I know the Southern Heritage Classic is close to Dave's heart because he's a Crat. <laughs> You know so um i just wanted to give that quick shout out that you know even though we don't have the mediums that we normally do this year um this one will be so um if i have anything if we have anything to do with it so quick shout out to y'all we appreciate y'all
0: yeah like i said this is where black culture meets the world of technology so you will definitely hear uh many many references many shout outs to our fellow HBCU members, um, even if they went to FAMU, but you know, uh, like I said, no one's perfect unless you went to Tennessee State. Hey! <laughs> nah, I'm just playing. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. But uh, <laughs> but all right. On that on that note, uh, Dominique, did you have anything else?
1: Yeah, man. I want everybody to be great this week. Uh, do you be your best you. Uh, you know every night you go to sleep wake up with the knowledge that although it doesn't seem like it because good lord what else can this dude do he's the worst person he's the worst person but every day you wake up we're one day closer to him not being y'all's president
0: y'all be <laughs> great alright y'all have a good one <laughs>